All right, guys, welcome back to the Short Story Long Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by my co-host, Andrew Dial. What's up, guys? And we're back. Sorry about the delay. Had a little bit of a... Kind of left you hanging there. um, Hiatus, if you will. Um, We apologize. We just had quite a bit going on. We didn't have time to get one recorded for you. And uh, we're actually working on this one pretty late tonight, trying to get it squeezed out before... The old Wednesday release date, so. Yeah, we're kind of struggling on coming up with good content, I guess. I feel like. Maybe no content is better than Getting on content. here and just rambling about bullshit, maybe not be the best. And we're not focused to set people up as guests, I guess. I don't know. We Our main reason is we went to Tennessee razor riding last weekend, so that kind of ate up all of our extra room, and we did piss poor at planning. As far as getting episodes pre-recorded and set to release, so it just didn't happen. Plus, we had all the work leading up to going that caused quite a bit of time crunch type stiff situations for us. So, um, first and foremost, I would like to take this time to go over the upcoming car events. Um, that was something that I did a couple weeks ago, and I'd like to continue with that on the upcoming events to get you guys kind of a you know finger on the pulse of what's happening. So this Friday, there are two cruise-ins. There is one in Taylorville, and that goes from 4.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. I've never been to that one. Um, kind of a haul from Effingham, but if you're up that way, it uh, might be a pretty cool thing to go check out. And then Shelbyville has their first one this Friday also. It starts at 6 p.m. and goes to question mark. So I guess just as long as people are up there screwing around, they'll have you know the event going on. So that one I have been to before. It's normally a pretty good one. Um, then all the area cruise-ins and cruise nights seem to start to pop up in the middle to end of April and end of May, so getting ready for the summer season. And uh, then both of those have a follow-up, you know, one Friday a month. So the same situation on May 5th for both Taylorville and Shelbyville. This Saturday, however, is the Altamont Swap Meet. Um, That's one I talked about a while back. Really enjoyed that one. Lots of fun to go to. Uh, Like I said, typically try to meet Dozer over at the McDonald's there in Altamont, get us a little breakfast. Then sneak on over and kind of walk around and see what we can find. And I think those are you bought some stuff last couple of years, and so did I. Did you get anything? Yeah, I think I got those Mustang spindles uh, last fall, maybe. Was it the fall one? I think so. And then I sold those to Dean because I ended up buying some different ones that were in a little bit better condition. Uh, I bought some tractor tires, possibly in the spring one that I sold, made some money. In the past, I've bought some like T5 transmissions, made money on those. Um, yeah, tractor tires. That bought that freshly rebuilt 302 that was full of water. Yeah, that that was a good one. <laughs> but uh, it was still worth what I paid. So yeah, I usually come home with something. So I'm looking forward to that one. That that day, I have a uh, kind of a birthday get together Saturday afternoon evening but i should be able to sneak away for the morning and we should go over there and have a pretty good time 
Yeah, I am turkey hunting in the morning, so it, I'm not sure when I'll be able to make it over there. We might have to break tradition on this one. I'll just go by myself then. It's fine. So if you're bored on Saturday morning and you're not turkey hunting and you want to go with a uh, world-famous podcast artist to the <laughs> Altamont Swap Meet, hit me up. <laughs> we'll go hang out and look at some junk to buy. So Did you run into a fan today? I did. I did. So... um we, uh, I was going to get into this a little later, but I have rearranged my schedule for my tool route. I normally go to Mount Zion on Mondays and I do my Effingham route on Fridays. Well, through multiple things that kind of came and went and whatever, I've added so much to my Friday route that it's just gotten overwhelming, I guess you'd say. And uh, I had a customer open up his own shop. Um, it's going to be a automotive, specific automotive machine shop. Um, it's going to be pretty cool. I think he's got all the equipment needed to do all of your head work and block work and everything. Um, kind of fill in the gap in the area for your automotive machine work. Um, his name is Chris. He is also the host of the Butts and Stuff podcast. Oh, okay. And uh, like I said, he he's kind of, you know, taking that plunge. You know, if you will, we talk about, you know, entrepreneurship here on this podcast uh, time and again. And he's, you know, like I said, he's going for it. He's making his own business and starting it. And we're, you know, we're all pulling for him, hoping it'll, it'll get, off the ground in a hurry for him. And, um, you and I both, we listened to the central Illinois business leaders podcast. You've been on it a couple of time. And, uh, Derek Hayden is, uh, the, one of the hosts of that one. And he's also an insurance salesman. And Chris was asking my boss about where to go for business insurance. And I said, Hey, you know, I know this guy, give him a holler. And I never heard anything more after that. Well, I popped in to the new shop today and uh Derek was in there and he shook my hands like you're Sam right I listen to you all the time so Derek thanks for being a listener and uh glad we could get you guys hooked up and hopefully you can do some good business with each other in the future so that was one of my what's news as far as what I got going on is switching my tool route do you have any what's news besides the Tennessee thing dozer uh we did get closed on our rental house Congratulations. So I've got a few things to do there. So I'm officially in the in real estate investment stage of my life. We've been trying to get there since 2017, I think, wow. 2018. So we actually, my somewhere around 18, we actually uh, had an offer. We had a house under contract in Watson. Mm -hmm. and it ended up having significant termite damage. So we passed on that and just kind of gave up on looking and started Peace Lily. Right. So that may actually have been in 19. And uh, I think that was in 19. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So I've always had it on my mind. I've always read books and stuff like that, and it's kind of cool for to make it a reality. And it's kind of funny looking back, like, do all the houses we looked at that were – at the time, too expensive. It would have been deals if we'd have bought them, man. We'd we'd have made bank on them if we'd have just bought them. Yeah, I 
that's one of my what's news. We kind of talk in real estate since you've been doing that. And, you know, if you find a deal, you're not, or don't wait on finding a deal because it's going to be a deal eventually. Right. I mean, if you find something you like, just go for it. As long as you can afford it, just get it bought and, and go from there. Because if you just wait on a deal, you're never going to buy anything. My, my big thing that I noticed is all the, so I, I'm big into deer hunting and you talk to all these guys, my dad's age in their fifties, sixties, you know, and they talk about, you know, oh man, I, I had a chance to buy that farm for $300 an acre and thought it was way too much. Like my, my wife's uncle has a story. He could, he had a chance to buy like an 80 acre farm for you know, $400 an acre. And his dad, which would be my wife's grandpa, said, you're out of your mind if you pay that much for it. That's way too much money. Well, it just sold for like $1 million or something. You know, it was outrageous. He's like, I, he's like, I walked that farm. I had a chance to buy it for like, you know. Pennies tw- on the dollar. Pennies on the dollar. And he's like, we thought it was too much money back then. And I mean, in his defense, it arguably could have been with interest rates and everything. But um like like I've mentioned before, actively seeking out either a piece of property to build on or a house with some property, the stuff's just, you know, they don't make any more ground. So it's it's only ever going to go up. So if you find a deal or if you find a piece you like, just go ahead and buy it. And another thing is I am uh, buying a piece of hunting property that butts up against my dad's property with my brother and my dad uh, purchasing. And we missed out on another piece over, like, say, a couple hundred dollars an acre. My dad said it was too much money. And I have given him so much of a hard time because, to me, whenever 10, 15 acres comes for sale that touches your property, it just you about just doesn't matter what it costs. Yeah, Randy talks about that. You know, if, if, if property comes for sale that touches your property, you just got to buy it, no matter what it costs. Yes. So, and... And I don't know if that's a legitimate, like known thing, but I've heard it from multiple sources that that's just, that's just what goes on, you know? Right. And assuming you probably bought your original property pretty well, so you can kind of overpay for what touches it because you can kind of average it out over everything. And you're like, oh, I'm still doing okay. Right. I think a lot of that happens with your $12,000 an acre farm ground. Right. For I think sure. people, well, you know, we bought this other stuff for $300 50 years ago. So it averages if out. we average it out, it's fine. And they have, you know, the BTO guys, they have the, they have the capital to, to swing that kind of mortgage on a big chunk, you know. So little guys like you and me, it's, uh, it's a little more of a stretch to try and come up with the capital for any kind of large land purchase. But we're not, it's not going to stop us from trying, I guess. Yeah, it'd probably help to quit buying hot rod parts and stuff like that. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Let's not get crazy. Speaking of hot rod parts... Um, Almost everything for the GTX is in my pos- possession now. Oh, okay. Do you have your cam and lifters? Or I have the you... lifters. I do not have the cam. I want to see those before I leave. Uh, that well, the lifters are at crossroads. Oh, unbelievable. Um, the cam is still uh, in process, I guess. So I called Comp Cams directly at like uh, a boomer. Yeah. Well, you didn't use the internet machine. No, I listen. I use the internet machine to select my camshaft and lifter choices and summit racing was the end of april and jigs was like middle of may for eta on this camshaft 
And at Dean's suggestion, I called comp cams directly, which took an hour and a half to get off a hold. And like a boomer, I told him what I was after, gave him the part number. And he said he had X number of cores in stock, had so many scheduled to ship out. And if I ordered it that day, he could get it ground and shipped out in three weeks. Well, this coming Friday is going to be the third week. So if I don't see it, you know, by Monday, I'm going to call and ask and see what's going on. But hopefully that will be in. And uh, Dean said this week he's going to get the bottom end tore apart so he can measure for the bearings and the rings, get those coming. And then Nate has my heads. And to the best of my knowledge, I haven't talked to him in about a week, but he was waiting on the valve stem seals to get those buttoned back up, get those back over, and uh, hopefully get it put together and get back in the car here pretty shortly. I picked up the last piece of the puzzle that I hadn't purchased yet was the new oil pump. I got that from O'Reilly's today. Um, but yeah, I think uh, we're getting dangerous as far as that goes. Yeah, Cody was up there today. I guess we should have had him ask if they were done. I guess surely if they were done, he'd let you know. Surely, yeah. Well, my my concern is now it's turkey season. Yeah, that is a legitimate concern. That is, that's not good. That is not good. Not good at all. I'll, I'll probably shoot him a text tomorrow just to say, hey, good luck turkey hunting. How my head's doing? <laughs> How you doing? Um, oh, block number. Yeah. So, uh. What's else? Uh, Dean, my guy, he won the uh, People's Choice Award for Best Mechanic. Yeah, that was super cool. I was super happy to see that. Um, and then uh, I think Boss Man won Best ATV Dealer for mm-hmm. like however many years in a row. And I don't know if it's come out or not, but he was going to put like a post on Facebook, like, thanks for voting. And this year's extra special, blah, 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 because my dad won. And All I. Right. And, he asked me what I thought about it, and I was like, I mean, he's not my dad, and you're not my brother, but like it kind of chokes me up a little bit like that. Like I get, you know, kind of weirdly sentimental about that kind of yes. sappy stuff. You know, it said something about the man who taught me how to always take pride in my work and stuff, and I was like, that's pretty good. Yeah, so anyway, congratulations to Dean Willenberg on that. So um, he's just, he's been my Mopar mentor since since I met him, and he's just doesn't know a stranger and do anything for anybody if he can. So that's pretty cool. What else you got, Dozer? Anything new? Uh, no, just, you know, business is good. Not to jinx it, knock on wood. And the Falcon has been mothballed again, just with the ho- the rental house and the metal shop thing is kind of picked back up and the razor ride and and we've got Jerry's Nova tour part in my garage. We're going to try to <clears throat> seriously campaign that this year during street fighter. So he ordered a $1,100 tour converter for it. Nice. It had like a $200 eBay deal in it. Right. And we kept losing time, losing, we were losing our 60 foot. So for some reason we decided that was torque converter. I don't know if it is or not, but, Got new headers for it? Well, kind of. Okay. Fixing the headers. That so in my in my father-in-law's infinite wisdom, he buys LS headers. Oh, God. Thinking, I, yep. thinking they're the same thing as small block Chevy, that, and they're not. Is that the ones you showed me, like the, the weld that yourself can? Yeah. So I found a, I was pretty proud of myself. My wife did have to help me a little bit. My wife in our metal business does all the art 
and design and stuff on on the graphics side. I can I can make a a plate or a bracket or something like that. So I went and found a PDF of the so my father-in-law's Nova has the stalls exhaust on it. So it's not the factory small block Chevy bolt pattern for your headers. It's more like a Ford. And that way you can run a bigger header tube. So I went and found a PDF of the gasket and brought it into the art program and like bit trace mapped it, they called it, and basically reverse engineered it into a design I could cut with my table. So... So you basically you cut flanges. I cut flanges because okay. he bought LS headers. So those flanges won't work. But he has all the tubes. He's got all the tubes. Okay. And uh and they wanted like it was like eighty or ninety bucks. And I was like, I can I can cut these for you know, I'll have five dollars in metal. So I did and and uh I think they turned out. We haven't put them up to the motor yet, but just holding the gasket up to them, they look really good. Nice, nice. So that's my next thing is I've got to build a set of headers. The ones that were on it were bad. You've probably seen the Snapchat. Like it wasn't just pinholes. Like they're about to Swiss fall. cheese. Yes. Yeah. Which they've been on there for how long you said? Mm, since I was in just, I was probably in high school. So a day or two. Yeah. So that was 2007. So, you know, 15 years ish. Okay. Math workout. Okay. So, and they were just spray painted when he put them on. And first time he ran the car, they burned all the spray paint off of it. And been rusting ever since. Been rusted ever since. And it, uh, he painted them white. That right. was his thing. And apparently that's what the old school hot rodders did. I don't oh, yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. So they were painted white. And the first foot of them was burned off. The last foot still has white paint on them, but. Uh, so the, I'm kind of excited about that. We made some changes to the car and never ran it. So my father-in-law always ran um, timing advance, mechanical advance in the ignition, like streetcar stuff. Right. And we locked the timing out to like 34 degrees and it sounds like a completely different car. The throttle response and the way it sounds at idle and we've never run it. It just sounds better, but don't know what it does in the eighth. Right. That uh, that car's not been down the, the eighth mile since maybe 20. Oh, my. 21. So looking forward to getting it back out so, this year. So, yeah, it's been sitting in Randy's horse barn for the last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got that and got the mice ran out of it. It was, <laughs> it was a mouse nest under the intake. and Of course there was. And uh, so I'm excited. We'll see if we can... And we won Street Fighter at Coles County. We we didn't race the whole year, and we raced the last three races out of like six or seven. So maybe that's half the year. I don't know. And we, we tied for first in points overall. Nice. We never lost a race. Hell yeah. So it uh, <clears throat> we got really lucky. So Street Fighter is uh, a streetcar class kind of. You got to have glass, turn signals, mufflers and a passenger seat. And we had all that in the Nova. We put mufflers on it, you know, quote on air muff, you know, air quotes, mufflers. They're four inch straight through mufflers. We tack welded to the end of the headers. And, uh, it's a 645 index class. So it's heads up, but 645 is the quickest you can run. Well, somehow by the grace of God, Jerry's car runs 648, 647, 646. And it's pretty hard to get in front of that. 
So now that you got the timing locked out, you're going to have to slow her down a little bit. We're hoping so. That and the converter and converter, good headers yeah. and that's that's our hopes. Huh. Well, I'll be damned. That ought to be a good time. So that, uh, that's what else we got going on and all the excitement. So then uh, I guess let's talk about our Razor trip that we just got back from. Okay. Well, I'll let you start. How about that? Okay. So... We've talked multiple times about, you know, the Razor thing, the Jeep thing, and we're big motorheads and big into off-road. Well, one of our favorite things to do is go down to Tennessee with our side-by-sides and spend the weekend down there. And this last weekend, Cody actually kind of put the whole thing together um, to do like a quote-unquote family family Tennessee trip, I guess, and uh, invited a bunch of guys. It was myself and then Cody and Peyton, as well as Randy Dawsonbrock and his wife, Emma, and then Kyle Willenberg, Cody's little brother, and his wife, Bailey, and his daughter and his son, Cohen and Blakely. We all stayed in Cody's cabin, and then... We also had Dozer and his wife, Laren, both of his kids, Wyatt and Emma. And then we had Brandon, Dozer's brother. He came down by himself. And then we also had Eric Custer and Nikki, his wife, and his second second youngest, right? Correct, yes. Um, what's his name again? Uh, Benny. Benny, okay. So one of the biggest groups that I've ever had down there um, to be for sure, but we still had a really, really awesome time. Um, it rained all day on Friday. We left Thursday, then got down there Thursday evening. We wheeled all day Friday, all day Saturday, then we came home Sunday. And uh, we got to see a bunch of the sites, got to go to the prison and uh, have lunch there. Those are good. We got the tr- tour of the prison, um, which I've done that a couple times. And it's, it's very, very interesting. And it's something you can just drive to in a car. Um, if you're ever in the, t- you know, Knoxville, Gatlinburg kind of area, it's, it's north of there. And it's, it's in, uh, uh, what's the name of that town that it's in? Um, it's like Pero or something. Um, Petros. Petros. Sorry, I don't know why it escaped me for a minute. But anyway, um, super long story short, it's a prison that was shut down in 2007. It was formed in the late 1800s all the way through to 2007. It shut down. Um, state just kind of left it for dead. And then some investors came in and took over, and they've got a restaurant and a distillery there. They make their own moonshine. It's a tourist destination. They have concerts. They've really turned it around. It's a really awesome tourist destination. And uh, they do a thing for Halloween. Like they say, it's haunted or whatever. But Which, if anywhere on earth was haunted, it'd be a place like that. What do you think of it, Dozer? Well, it's I mean, it's pretty heavy for a guy really to to take in uh you live your life in a civilized society and don't think that there is people who go to work every day and deal with mass murderers and psychopaths and you know the dangerous most dangerous of the dangerous. And uh I kind of compared it to like uh you know the garbage man or the plumber like you live your life every day 
you know, and your comfort and sanitary part of your life is reliant on the people working at the sewer plant, the people picking up garbage, but you just don't quite think of it. Right. And part of your civilized life is there's somebody out there keeping psychopaths behind bars every day. And, you know, it's a really nasty, dangerous job. And you kind of go to this place and it kind of, you kind of get a sneak peek into that world on how it is. And I'm sure now it might be a little different compared to how it used to be. But, you know, it used to be it, uh, you know, back in the old school days, it just seems like it was even more so dangerous. It's pretty, pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, have, have you ever been to San Francisco to Alcatraz? I have not. No. So I would also suggest if, if, if you're into that kind of thing, which like it's actually getting super big with like all the Netflix stuff, like all the serial killer documentaries and the, and the true crime podcasts and everything like, like crime and punishment is pretty mm-hmm. mainstream these days. And I, I don't know if that has something to do with the popularity, but um, it, it's very surreal to, to go into a place such as, you know, the Brushy Mountain State Penitentiary in Petros, Tennessee, or Alcatraz, you know, there in San Francisco Bay. It's like become a tourist attraction seeing how things were done, you know, not in the too terribly distant past, but the way that because it was dealing with prisoners and like, you know, the quote unquote scum of the earth, it, it's very archaic in the way that, you know, this punishment is being carried out. Right. About how they made the guys coal mine, you know, 12 hours a day. There was, um, there was only, there was four guys in each cell, but only two beds. So two guys were coal mining and two guys were sleeping and then you switched and, you know, stuff like that. They don't probably do any manual hard labor in any prisons anymore. No way. And, you know, they would, they would beat them and put, they would put them in solitary confinement that was for so long and it was so dark, they would lose their vision. Yep. And, you know, that's just not something you think about happening and it probably doesn't happen anymore, but man, it's just a testament, you, you almost kind of feel bad for the prisoners and then you kind of realize that they were mass mor- murderers and rapists and stuff like that. And Did you happen to go into any of the solitary rooms? Yes. Did, isn't it just eerie, like all the carvings on the walls and stuff? Yeah. And you think of someone spending their whole life in there for, you know, a week at a time or whatever? Yeah. It's just incredible. And we had our four-year-old and five-year-old with us and and – we did watch the movie per Cody's recommendations, and that was probably a little bit too much for a four and five year old. But I guess this character building experience, you know, they're talking about how prisoners would like chop each other up with meat cleavers and stuff. It's like, okay, <laughs> uh, let's close your eyes here. So yeah. then they they were talking about when uh, uh, they closed it down when all the inmates were gone. The the guy, the prison guard they interviewed, referred to it as a ghost town. And why it was just like ghost town. He was all about then. This is a ghost town. This is a ghost town. He thought it was a castle because it's a big block building. It's shaped and, like a cross. And my wife thought that was very interesting. She's like, it's shaped like a cross. That's kind of, you know, interesting to say the least. Well, and, and we could go on a whole tangent here, but up until very, very recently in a U.S. history, 
God and the church has played an enormous role in everyday life. And I mean, up until recently, you know, every public school in America taught prayer time in, in school and like every prison had a chapel and like part of the rehabilitation process is finding a religious belief to give you a moral construct to live by. And like, that was kind of the thought behind it. So they had it, it was made of wood initially, it burned down. Then they made the prisoners build their own prison out of stone and the architects shaped it like a cross, you know, to symbolize redemption, I guess. So like that, that kind of, that kind of thing, it just, it's kind of, it like tickles my nerd itch, I guess you'd say. Well, and you talk about, you know, moral construct and, and being saved in religion. I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. So I went to a Catholic school. Right. And the priests would teach the religion class in high school. So we had a priest, his name was Father Geckner. He was from T-Town. And he uh, was teaching us and teaching us. And then one day he came into class and the dude fell off the deep end. Told us, religion's nothing but a way to control you and make you behave and have control over your life. Like religion's not real. And he went through all the examples in the Bible that prove that it's not real about how like, you know, um, you might have to correct me here, but uh, Cain and Abel were the children of Adam and Eve. And after Cain kills Abel, he goes to the city. Well, how can there be a city if those are the only people on earth? Uh, I, I, they're the descendants. Not, oh, not okay. The... Well, in regard, he went through all kinds of examples. And, you know, we're all like, what is happening here, you know? And he left that class and we never saw him again. Did anybody? No, he left the, left the church. He's not a priest anymore. Like we had the, like the girls basketball coach had to fill in as a religion teacher for the rest of the year. Like, huh? It was, it was crazy. So that's something else, you know, right, wrong or indifferent. I mean, I, I, I'm still religious, but it was, I, I wish I would have remembered more that day yet. You know, it was very interesting. Well, I, I will say, you know, if we're talking current events, so TikTok, the United States government wants to ban it. Have you been following any of this at all? Uh, slightly, yeah, just because it's so intrusive into your life. Well, they, they've got a lot of reasons, and a lot of people have a lot of theories as to what the true motives are and everything. And all that aside, I'm not taking sides. I, you know, it, it, I kind of think, you know, if it's if it's so bad because the Chinese owns it, just buy it. Just buy it. Or, you know what? We got freaking smart people here. Make your own app. Make a U.S. version of it if, you, if it's so bad. But one thing I love about TikTok, aside from, you know, there's a bunch of bad things about it. Don't, like, don't, mis, don't misinterpret what I'm saying for like the gospel because there is a lot of problems with it. And I will not dispute that. But one of the very, very, my, my favorite thing about it is it's completely open, I guess you'd say. There's still censorship. I mean, there's a lot of stuff you can't do on the app, but so much information can be shared so quickly. 
and can reach so many people in such a short amount of time. I think, in my opinion, I think that's what they don't like about don't it. like about it because okay. it's so uncontrollable. Like, yes, there's rules like you can't blatantly put nudity on there or, or things like that, but there is so many true and false things being said on there all the time. And I purely see it as like a form of entertainment, but the way the algorithm works, it force feeds you things that you didn't even know you were interested in. I had no idea I liked listening about alien conspiracy theories in, you know, ancient Egypt. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was interesting to me. And like, and if it's real or not, I don't really care, but like there's, there was one, there was like a, like a, like a Senate committee hearing like in the freaking like Capitol building that was like about aliens. And it was like, are these people serious? Like this is like in our government building. There's a guy doing like a complete thing about aliens and like, it just goes on tangents. And then like, there's a whole bunch of stuff of like people giving their opinions on current events. Like this is what has happened. This is my opinion on it. And like, it kind of takes some of the, the media bias out of it because it's just people sharing their opinions of the facts as they are presented to them. And, you know, there's no one like, there's no puppet master, I guess, like pulling the strings on, you know, the talking heads or whatever. It's just raw information being spread, you know, at lightning speed. So I don't even know where I was going with this part of the, of the explanation, but Oh, the religion thing. Yes. Like, like there's, there's, I've seen multiple TikToks on like, when people like go deep dive into scripture and like they, and then extrapolate that out into like empirical solid data of like, you know, like the flood and Noah's Ark and actual timelines and geology and actual data. And they cross-reference that with scripture. Like that's super just intriguing to me. So that Joe Rogan with the, <clears throat> with Neil deGrasse, how do you say it? Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse, Neil deGrasse Tyson. They talk about, you know, the, the flood with, with Noah. And there's also about the same time, there's a giant crater in the, in the ocean outside of India. Right. And they're saying there a meteor probably hit huge tidal wave went all the way through Africa. Yep. And that was a flood. Right. And then it was a, it was a Amazon TV show that I watched, but they, I mean, I'm, I haven't done any fact checking. (laughs) (laughs) That's my drinky. (laughs) So I haven't done any fact checking on this, but they were talking about how every culture and religion has a like flood destruction parable or story, be it Christianity, um, you know, Muslim, Hindu, like all of like the world's major religions have some sort of catastrophizing flood type parable or, or story in their in their teachings. So like that to me 
lends some creed to the fact that there was once a flood and like the Neil thing, like the, in ancient times, like the entirety of the world was the middle East essentially. Right. Like that was the whole world. So, you know, to, you know, interpret scripture, like the entire earth was covered in water. Like if you take the translation all the way back to whatever original Hebrew or whatever, like all the land was covered in water could be translated into the whole earth. So if the whole Middle East is covered in a flood, then to someone in ancient times that has no concept of the world and the size of the world would just thereby assume like, as far as I can see and as far as I can travel for as long as I can, there's water, you know, which... Mm -hmm. Could be a couple hundred, couple thousand miles, but it's nowhere near the vastness of the earth itself. So I don't know. I, I not to turn this into like a religious podcast or anything, but I it's like his like repent. <laughs> like history is my biggest favorite subject. Which is weird because when you get to our age, you're either supposed to pick history or smoking meats, and you've done both. I mean I'm sorry, <laughs> I, you know, I like what I like, smoking meats, and, uh, and, and well, maybe it's like everything in moderation, and we've discussed how like, like three hours is the limit to my patience on the smoker, and that's like not even getting started for most, most cuts of meat, so like Chris and, and, and Jazz on their podcast, like they do, like their whole weekend is dedicated, like they do competitions and stuff, I have no desire to do that. And I don't have a whole, you know, World War II library in my house. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I just like to dabble, you know? Yeah, I get super interested uh, in the airplanes that my grandpa were, flew in in the Navy. Okay. You know, he talks about those. He, he flew in a seaplane, I think is a P-5M Martin. And they've got, like, yearbooks and... It's got all the stats, you know, how many miles flown and how many people died and what happened to each one. And, and, you know, you're talking about like multiple thousands of horsepower piston driven seaplanes. They would fly from California to Hawaii, to the Philippines and do whatever they were doing down there. And it's just super cool. We, we should have him on the podcast. Talk about his Navy days. Grandpa Dial. Yes. Let's get it set up. We need to do that. I'd be like... (laughs) I remember the other night trying to explain to him what a podcast was. I was like, so it's like a radio show, but it's on the internet. And he's just like, you damn kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But part one of my favorite things about these podcasts is even if nobody listens, our stories are recorded for posterity. Yes. And you know, if my kids ever wanted to listen down the road and, and grandkids or whatever, they could hear what their grandpa did and, so one thing he was an idiot. Yeah, what's your podcast about? Being an idiot? No. Well, well kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been seeing on uh, on Instagram an ad for, um, and the name escapes me now, but it's a service that it's like a, they they basically make a book, and what you do is you sign up, pay what it's probably expensive, but they email your loved one once a month. Um, like 
they would like if you wanted your grandpa doll to do it, he, they would send him an email and say, you know, what is the most fond, what is your most fond memory of, you know, vacations as a kid or whatever. And he types up an email back, and over the course of a year, they compile all of his stories into an like a storybook, like a hardbound storybook, and then they they mail it to you. And I thought that'd be super cool to do with my dad, but there's no way he would be able to, first of all, open the email and read it. And second of all, type out a response, you know, to, to send it back to the service. But I always thought something like that would be super cool. Just like you say, like record for posterity purposes. So, yeah, we need, I need to talk to my grandpa about that. I think it'd be super interesting. You think, you think you'd come down here and do one? Mm, it'd be tough. We'd have, to, we'd have to find somebody to hang out with grandma while he was gone and yeah, stuff like that. I had If I had better microphones for the mobile setup, we could just go to his house and do it. Yeah, and that, that would probably work better, honestly. Maybe I need to work on getting some better. You're talking about, I mean, he could talk about his Navy days and starting Jedco, which those are both grounds for nostalgia poisoning. Well, and if nobody else found that interesting, both both of us would find it interesting. But for, if for no other reason than like for your kids, like you said, years down the road, like here's your grandpa, Jim Dial, talking about how he started the business that your mom and dad run and that you're going to run next one day, you know, mm-hmm. like that would be super cool. Well, yes. He tells like, you know, stories like the Navy, they were taking a bunch of Chinese nationalists on a ride on their seaplane. Okay. And they were landing and taking off on a river and they didn't have enough room to take off under normal power. So they had rockets they put on the side of the plane to make it take off in a shorter distance. Uh-huh. So he was an electrician. His job was to wire up the rockets. <laughs> and somehow, I don't really know the whole story, but somehow the wires got run through the door, the back door. It, you know, incorrectly. Uh-huh. And they shut the door to get ready to take off and the rockets fired. Oh, no. And they sat out there and done circles. They, <laughs> they did circles out in the river until the rockets burnt out. <laughs> and all the Chinese people got off. He said he has never had an ass chewing like that <laughs> since in his life. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. So, like, going back to TikTok, um... A lot, I like whatever my algorithm. I, I see a lot of uh, content that that has like not necessarily naval aviation, but but U.S. military aviation, like the the SR seventy one Blackbird. There's a bunch of stuff on that that pops up on there, and uh, then who's that guy? I don't, I don't know the guy's name, but he's like, here's so and so with ninety seconds of such yeah, and Brian Loans. Yeah, he's the announcer for Drag Week. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he's super. I love that's my favorite one, honestly. Did, did you did you see the one about the rocket powered drag car? Uh, maybe I don't know. They just taught like basically. I binge watched it one day at lunch. Anyway, like there was a rocket powered like solid fuel rocket booster that they put in like a Volkswagen bug yes. or something, and the guy ended up dying because it like. Once you start a rocket, a solid fuel rocket, no turning it off, it's just got to burn out, and it uh, it crashed, and it just they, you yeah, couldn't like get out. They went. They decided that they went for 
like some record in the after burning sixty thousand dollars in fuel, they still had really nothing to show for it. Yeah, but hey, but that was back in the glory days when anybody could just build a solid rocket booster in their garage because <laughs> the chemicals you just pick up at the hardware store. Well, the uh, I read a story one time about the early days of Top Fuel, mm-hmm. and they were talking about like these guys that were just buddies, you know, in their twenties or thirties were like, we're going top fuel dragster racing. They built the whole car in like their dad's garage under like a motel he owned. Mm -hmm. And then they loaded it up on a trailer that they probably made, put it behind a station wagon. And it like talked about how him and his buddies drove around all summer to all the NHRA events and ran top fuel dragster just as regular guys. Yeah. There's so, v- hardly any barrier to entry back then. You know, it was, they had more trouble getting to the tracks, you know, between tracks, towing with a station wagon, you know, talking about overheating the transmission and transmission go out and they have to put a radiator in it. And anyway, it's kind of, I, I never understood that era. Your station wagons had big blocks and your pickup, your three quarter ton pickup trucks had inline sixes. Like I, I didn't get that. Hell of a time to be alive. Yeah. Huh. But uh, but back to Razor Riding. What did you think of the Razor Riding? Well, so the whole scheme was to get me to try to buy a Razor. It was known to me, so I don't know if it is even a scheme or not. That's all about it. Cody put one together for me. In record time? Yeah, well, that's just how he rolls. Yeah. Works better under pressure. I'm the same way. The more pressure, the harder I work. Okay. Um, I picked it up. I was super excited about it and just, it, uh, it was just okay. Like it wasn't life changing. It wasn't, there was no, uh, there was like, it wasn't like I could do this every weekend. There was no like angels parting the clouds right. and like rays of sunshine or nothing. Like the best part of it was hanging out with my friends and I could do that without a razor and just ride with people. Okay. Uh, I do have a Jeep and. I realized at one point all the modifications I wanted to do to my razor was to make it closer to a Jeep. That's fair. So like, you know, it's got like a heater and cab enclosure, Jeep stuff. Um, it's, they're super noisy and hot on the inside. So I was like looking at sound deadening. That's Jeep stuff. Hmm. You know, more storage, Jeep stuff. Bigger you know, tires, bigger Jeep tires, stuff. Jeep stuff. You know, it's just, Every modification I want to do to it makes just is just to make it closer to a Jeep. So I'll just keep my Jeep I've got. Okay. I mean, I honestly, I would rather have you riding shotgun with me than driving behind you and not being able to talk to you. Right. So. Well, so tonight at dinner, we were talking. And it, it it got to me mentally because the kids were running around the house all afternoon going, hey, we're riding our razors. And they were like running around behind, you know, following each other, making mm-hmm. engine noises. I was like, okay. But I don't need to use that to justify spending a bunch of money I don't have. Okay. And we sat down. What was your favorite part about razor riding? And Emma's was riding on the road. She didn't like the bumps. Okay. So when we would get on the hard road, that was her jam. And that was your least favorite. Yes. Okay. And uh, 
I don't remember what Wyatt's was, and I don't remember what Laren's was, but mine was the Friday night ride we had where I rode with you and we jammed out to music. You know, we went up to the overlook in the dark. I was like, that. I gave that. you tinnitus. Yes. <laughs> Turns out your little baby ears can't handle my freaking sound system in my radio. Well, I'm already deaf, so I'm like really actively conscious about preserving the rest of my hearing. Well, I apologize, but. I pointed out, you may not have seen me, but I pointed out to you the volume knobs. So you can, I know better than turning down a, the music f- of a church DJ. So. <laughs> it's your ride. You can do whatever you want, you know. Well, I apologize. I did not mean to make you go deaf. I was just jamming out. I was having a good but time. I remember your face was like, yeah, if you want, to, if you want tinnitus, ride with Sam or something. And you're like, tinnitus, tinnitus. Like you had to think about it. And you're like, oh, oh. sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, it was still fun. I felt really bad about not riding with my brother because he kind of wanted to ride with, he wanted me to ride with him. But uh, I wanted to ride in the enclosed cab. Right. <laughs> and with someone I trust a little more, but he did really good without any direction. He impressed the shit out of me, to be flat honest. I, so. I was, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but I was not expecting that. I, I, uh, I, I was very, very pleased with his skill. And and he's only been riding for three or four weeks, right? So, I mean, he's he's already got it down. I I would have no trouble riding with him in the future. But he he bought his machine like a month ago, and he's already due for an oil change. Like he's he lives in Tennessee, so they can ride it on the road. He's got five hundred miles of trails within an hour drive of his house. Yep. So he he is in the mecca of it. He, uh, he's got it made for sure. And then one thing I didn't even take into consideration, we were talking about it. I think it was Saturday night and he was like, Oh, we go here. We have this many trails and here and here. No, it was, it was, uh, it was Saturday at the prison. We were talking about it and he's an in-state resident. So a year past to Winrock is like a dollar for him. Like it's like $25 for a year. To Winrock or yeah. the TRW land? I don't know. I think it's the TRW is it, land. Anyway, yeah. It's cheap. What It doesn't matter. It's cheap. And yeah. like he could buy every annual pass within two hours of his house and be in it for less than 300 bucks. He's got an app. It's like Ride Tennessee or something. He has an app that you can go on there and buy a year pass for everything there is in Tennessee. It's like a flat fee. Must be nice. And he can have suppressors for his rifles. Yep. And no income tax. As he pops people's backs for a living. Yeah, he... I, I know some of my family members give him give him hassles and question, but I think he made the right decision. If, if the question is moving out of the state of Illinois, I don't know why anyone would question that decision. Yeah. So... So, yeah, the trip went well. I, uh... You guys ran 15. That was fun to watch. It was fun to watch other people do it. That one guy rolled pretty bad, really, for... I mean, it wasn't a multiple roll, but it's like, I thought it was just going to be a flop on its side, and it got... Upside down. Fairly well upside down. Yep. And uh, what did the little girl in the back seat yell after? Uh, I can't remember. She was just like... There's probably like a 12 or 13-year-old girl in the back seat. She was just like, F yeah, or something. Like, I don't even remember now, yeah. but it may crack me up. Like, that she, was awesome. Well, like, I, you know, I have PTSD from Razor rollovers. And <laughs> when I, and I, like, 
this machine had stock seat belts in it and stock doors and he rolls it on its left side and then halfway on its lid and my initial thought was there's people's arms stuck under this roll cage so i ran down there i was yelling like is everybody's arms okay everyone everyone hurt blah 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 and they're all giggling and laughing and carrying on I'm like okay so heart rate kind of dropped just a couple points there and then uh we got everybody unbuckled and out of there and they're all giggling and laughing and carrying on and even the driver who messed up his machine he was you know he's like everyone's good i'm good like let's get this thing rolled over so yeah, i think he mentioned this is what i bought it for yeah so and it was actually a fairly built machine it was funny because we were just admiring the machine at the prison yeah ran into him at trail 15 upside down <laughs> upside down um no i i don't mind that trail it's 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 a very, very difficult trail, but it's a very, very short trail. And it's like a mile from the general store. So it's everyone hits that trail. And it's normally really, really busy. And the only reason we hit it, we weren't going to. That was the plan was not to hit it. Um, and the only reason we did was because there was nobody on it. And we knew we could just go right through. So um, the, the entrance to the trail is a pretty technical rock section that's a lot of fun. Then... The middle of the trail is a off camber deep rut that you have to drag the whole side of your machine down, scratch the hell out of your fenders. You don't have to on the Jeep. Okay. <laughs> anyway. And then the top is a basically an impossible off camber slanted rock ledge on one side and definitely not doable in a razor on the right side. I mean it's eight foot tall ledge that's undercut on the right hand side. Um we we bounced up at a one shot at it in twenty twenty when I went with you. Yeah. I'm we sure did. it's changed quite a bit since then. But. Well the whole that whole left side, that dirt wall got dug out and now it's undercut on that dirt wall on the left hand side because the tree roots are holding the top of the you know dirt wall and mm-hmm. the side of it underneath the roots is getting all dug out and then the dirt underneath the rock ledges is getting dirt out. But yeah, in, in 2020, you could just drive right up it like no big deal. Um, we did not hit Devil's Elbow. I was really hoping to hit Devil's Elbow. Um, but uh, we did, uh, at night, we did Walden's Ridge, well, up to Walden's Ridge, the trail leading up to Walden's Ridge. Well, somebody did half of Walden's Ridge. And Randy did. He did the he did the tombstones at the end of Walden's Ridge. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, the the night night ride was probably my favorite part. Um, that's just my kind of wheeling. Like I would rather sleep in, eat a big lunch, and then cruise around, then come back, have some dinner, and then go back out and do a night ride. That's my kind of deal. Um, everything's more difficult at night. Um, it's just a whole different it's just a whole different experience at night um some dew sets in some stuff gets a little slicker um the not being able to see is a, is a huge factor just like adds that extra level of complexity to whatever obstacle um gets your heart racing a little bit more because you're not really sure what's going on you're out in the middle of the woods at nighttime like there's you know weird sounds and stuff like it's 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 kind of creepy but it's kind of cool and um, typically when we go down there and in, in the late spring, early summer, and, uh, you know, 
late summer, early fall, these razors, they're pretty hot on the inside. So in the middle of the day, when it's hot out, it's kind of miserable to ride. But at night, it's nice and cool, and it's it's just that much more comfortable. And just all of it adds up to, you know, for me, it's, it's kind of my jam. So um, Brandon ended up breaking his prop shaft, um, and I was told today that there's no way that it's called that. It's the front drive shaft, which it's not because there's no transfer case in a razor. It's universally known as the prop shaft as far as I'm concerned, um, but it is the universal joint connected shaft that runs from the transmission in the rear of the machine to the front differential in the razor. And the yoke on the front differential spread broke the U-joint and uh, ended his night prematurely. And we were able to disengage the front half of the prop shaft from the rear and allow him to drive it back. And uh, we got back to the cabin and thus ensued about a four hour repair whilst consuming copious amounts of adult beverages. And that was probably my favorite part of the whole trip. You want to talk about that a little bit? Well, I mean, we were just sitting there. We, it was nice because we all kind of unofficially had jobs. So like Brandon and Eric's job was to get the roll pin out of the yoke and Eric and Eric, um, Cody and Randy's job was to get the prop shaft out of the chassis. And then it was like me and Sam's job to get the U-joint in it. Which which initially, we I was looking for a punch to help with the roll pin. And we were like Googling what was the auto parts store part number for the U-joint. Yes. And Cody had a whole U-joint clips, grease circ, roll pin, everything in the storage box of his razor. And we're like, well, shit, here it is. And then we finally get it out and the yoke had spread, which is what caused the failure to begin with. And we all kind of looked at it like, well, this, you know, we're not going to get this. So we were texting around like who's got one that we can just put the whole thing in. And uh, I don't know what it was. You grabbed it. I grabbed it and somebody threw me like a rock the size of a volleyball that I used as my workbench. And you're like, I think I can get this straight back out. Give me a hammer. So over about an hour, you beat on it, and then Randy beat on it. With like a 10-ounce claw hammer. Not even a full 16-ounce. It was like a 10-ounce. And then put the U-joint in it, took the U-joint out, put it in, took it out, beat on it some more, and then like you got it like halfway started. And you're like, nope, it, it won't go together anymore. And then we just kept drinking and kept talking and kept laughing. We were making fun of it like all night long. We were making fun of each other. Like every, yeah. every, like every time we turn around, like making fun of him, making fun of me, making fun of you, making fun of, you know, Brandon, whatever. And, uh, I was like, let me, let me at this thing once. <laughs> and I took it to Kyle's trailer hitch and just started beating the ever living hell out of it on this trailer hitch. And it just wouldn't move, wouldn't move, wouldn't move. And I just was bored at this point, And I, gave up and then I went back to it and beat it out and again and Kyle said it's a wonder we didn't set the alarm off on that Suburban because it was locked with the alarm set. Oh shit. And Kyle wanted in it to get his blue UV out but (laughs) it was locked so he's like I don't know how you didn't set the alarm because I was wailing on this thing on the trailer hitch and uh, eventually got it back in and I 
handed it to Dylan. I said, put a clip in. He put a clip in, then I beat on it some more, and I was like, here, put another clip in, and we're like, sure as shit, it was back together. And then before, It was a little rough, but... <laughs> before we knew it, we're like, send it, and we got it put in there with every expectation of it giving up, like, instantly, but... It, the whole next day never gave us a lick of trouble. Yeah, my brother said he's not changing it. I was gonna, I was just gonna say I got a hundred dollar bill says he does <laughs> not change that. It didn't go back to Illinois with us. There's no way he's changed it till he grenades. It. Yeah, for sure. That's just as typical, Brandon. Though. Yeah, and he he doesn't plan on riding as hard as we rode. So, and and for as as hard as we rode, like I said, I was very impressed by his a willingness to ride hard. And B, the skill level that he presented while riding. So, yeah, it was, it was good. I was worried about him a little bit on that night ride and like the first big hill climb where like even Randy got crossed up and stuff and he one shot at it. I was like, all right, we'll be okay. And you turned to me and you're like, God damn it. I was like, why? You're like, we're never going to hear the freaking end of this. No kidding. And we get to the top of the hill and. I think Cody said that's that's what wheelbase does for you. And then after that, he was Dr. Wheelbase. Yes. Like, wheelbase this, wheelbase that. He named his uh, razor wheelbase <laughs> that night. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, it, uh, it was fun. Another thing I really enjoyed about this trip was we took two trucks with two goosenecks to pull down all the razors. Yeah. So uh, my family and Kyle's family and Sam – all just drove vehicles with no trailers and we took our minivan and man, that was nice. Like you could stop anywhere you wanted for gas, stop anywhere you wanted to go to the bathroom, stop anywhere you wanted to eat. And you know, it was just, it was just really nice not having a 5,000 pound trailer and a 5,000 pound Jeep behind a diesel pickup truck and trying to, you know, pick your spots where you stop and fuel and all that. Yeah. So I got to go to Bucky's for the first yeah, time. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up. So apparently I'm one of the three people in the world that didn't know what Bucky's was. Man, I didn't know either. So, And or. I still don't know, honestly. Essentially, it's, I, I think it started in Texas. I didn't read any of the, like, how it started thing, but, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, this gas station has 60 70 gas pumps. Holy cow. And it's, I mean, legitimately the, it's a convenience store and a restaurant and a sporting goods store inside this gas station. So I, I would say size wise, it's probably the size of the snap on building on the inside. Okay. But more rectangular, not square. Um, so you're talking, I don't know, five, 6,000 square foot of retail space. Mm-hmm. Um, they had bow targets, they had kayaks, they had pellet grills, they had a beef jerky bar, they had, um, it's retarded. I mean, insane, absolutely stupid. Um, Could you imagine being the guy? Yeah. Where do you work at? I work at the beef jerky bar at Bucky's. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> And uh, like they have a like a Texas barbecue station that's basically a half moon, and like every little section like is a grab and go sandwich. Like here's uh, smoked turkey, here's pulled pork, here's beef brisket, here's this, here's that. And there's 
eight people inside this circle making sandwiches all day. And I think this is the one that had just opened. It was just south of, uh, uh, just south of, uh, Lexington, uh, Lexington. Yeah. And, uh, we decided we need to stop for fuel and to eat. So like there's 1500. I mean, yeah, it's like, remember, uh, Going through Missouri, it's like uh, Marengo Caves or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there's a billboard. Yes. Every freaking ten feet. Well, that's how Bucky's is. Like, <laughs> my favorite one was. It's like it was like Bucky's, the Gas Pro Shop. Yeah. To the Bass Pro Shop, yeah. <clears throat> and then there was uh, your Throne Awaits, like best bathrooms around or whatever, and uh, like just a bunch of just weird catchy. It's almost like the Wall Drug thing. Exactly. So. We get to the exit and the exit is stopped. Like, the, yeah, I saw that on the when interstate. We, we had to, we were stopped, dead stopped on the shoulder of the interstate, probably 300 foot before the actual like line veers off towards the exit. And it was backed up bumper to bumper all the way down the interstate ramp, the quarter mile to the stoplight. And then the quarter mile back to the turn into Bucky's, and I get—I don't really get social anxiety, but I'm not a big fan of crowds. Like my blood pressure will get a little bit, kind of get away from me, and I'll just be like, get like not even like hangry, Sam, just like frustrated all the time. Right, and uh, it's like it's just like jam-packed with people i mean you're talking like walmart black friday jam-packed and i I don't know if it's because it just opened um but i give the whole experience a two out of ten okay um i think it's something everyone needs to see at least once um just because it's just absurd i mean it's i mean it's absolutely insane and i'm all about absurd things and you know over like if it's worth doing it's worth overdoing exactly exactly you know um, I don't know. I, w- I would go back if it wasn't busy, but if I had to wait on the interstate off ramp to get into one, just keep going, just keep going. And uh, we noticed multiple people like we were watching as they got to where you turn right on the frontage road, like about one in six people would just go straight and get right back on the interstate, just cross it and go right yeah, back. I on. can see that. So, that probably would have been me had I not ever been there before. But all in all, I thought it was a really, really good trip. Um, I had the conversation with Cody that in the future, if we have new people to the group, to the to the side-by-side world, Winrock is not the place to take him. And I, I kind of came to – I knew that already, but I kind of fully formed my opinion – this last weekend because like I'm used to it. Like I know how good the wheeling is and that's what I justify the trip with. But for most people, like the seven hour ride down there, you're, you're already, your mind is already in a bad place. Like you're already fed up with the drive and you're not open and willing to like receive whatever experience because you're already like you're already starting off in the negative if that makes any sense mm-hmm. so the seven hour drive down there like you've already got a bad taste in your mouth about the whole experience just getting there and then it's an hour 
to go even to the first trail. Like it's just it's just too much. It's it should be reserved for people who live in Tennessee, like your brother, or for experienced riders. So like if we ever do this type of situation again where we try to guilt trip someone into buying a razor, we gotta take them someplace else. So guilt trip. <laughs> Oh, shoot. And I'm not officially said no yet, but we'll see. Well, does there anything else? Um, No. The only thing I'd say about the Razor stuff is I've kind of got my eye on Moonlight. I think you, that's when you need to do a Moonlight trip. So, OMK and uh, Kyle both want to do a Badlands trip. Okay. And I know boss man does not like Badlands, but I would totally be down to go for a day, you know, mm-hmm. and have as long as we can have beef house on the way back, I'm in. Would Amanda want to go or would I have an open seat? I don't know. Possibly. Shoot, well, shoot man. Just have to see how it goes. Just have to play it by ear. All right. Well, there goes our fill in podcast. Just so we have something to, to put because apparently people like listening to us make noise so apparently that's a thing so we appreciate that so yeah. thanks for listening i apologize for not getting one out and i guess we'll try to do better in the future so i don't know you may see some gaps in the future too as we maybe we go, go to bi-weekly go maybe for, go for more quality, quality instead of quantity instead of just throwing shit against the wall so i don't know let us know if you'd like to be a guest yeah we we're reach out We've got some other ideas for episodes, but for some reason we just never do them. Like the what tool? Like there's some been some reader suggestions. Just not prepared. And we've got some other ones. We just don't prepare enough. And Allie, if you're listening, I still haven't had my poke cake. I'm pretty salty about it. She is a listener, and she was super mad that the last episode we did was her, and she said we can't give people Allie and get them hooked and then just stop. You know, so it's a cliffhanger. It's like the end of a season. Yes. Maybe we could start season two with this one. Exactly. I don't know. There you go. All right. Well, well. guys, thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us. Ask short story long at gmail.com or the short story long podcast on Facebook. Um, Thanks for riding along with us. And uh, I guess we'll see you on the next one. Yep. Thank you guys.